listeners, you're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. This is Zach Gandra, your host, and with me, as always, is Steve the master of the universe, Gandra. How oh, are you, doing, you didn't Steve? say in inedible. I think I liked inimitable better in-edible? than master of the you universe. You didn't like in inedible. Yeah, let's go back to inimitable. In the inimitable Steve Gandra uh, is with us on the show today. Uh, I believe if we're listening appropriately, but either way, uh, or if I'm listing shows appropriately, it really doesn't matter because I want you people that are podcasting and or listening live to catch our show. That is um, from the Belmont Cabinet Company. You're going to see it on the website at excellentcultures.com. We had a great conversation with those guys. If you're a family business owner uh, or an entrepreneur that's looking to grow a business, they grew, man, Belmont Cabinet Company from their garage in the 70s to almost 300 employees now. Well, like they're, that, Steve. they're building 129,000 cabinets, kitchen cabinets, yeah. a year and selling them every place. That's a that's a lot of cabinets. A lot and, of cabinets. Um, so that's uh, that. It's a great show. Bottom line is you need to check it out on excellentcultures.com. And uh, I will say this: I'm going to throw this announcement out for our listeners. Uh, we have been consistently for the last couple of years with our podcast on iTunes only and live streaming straight from our website. But for you Android users, we're going to be adding a Stitcher app. Um, what's the word? Capability. So uh, very very soon, probably. In the next week, probably by the time this show airs live, we'll be on Stitcher. So if you have an Android phone, you can start uh, subscribing there. We love Android. We we lo- I have a yeah we do actually. I have an iPhone and Mac everything else, but I have a I have an Android tablet because it's a lot cheaper than. So iPhone. Google isn't sponsoring us today, so we need to get on. With no, that. no. In fact, Google, if you'd like us uh, as uh, if we if you we'd love to have you as a client. If you want to give us a call or email, you can email us at Ask the Experts. At excellentcultures.com let's or Steve. Start, let's start or, with a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just email us at Steve G at the inimitable dot Gandra. And you will get a bounce back so yeah. fast you won't know what you won't know what Yeah, yeah, mean. yeah. And uh, so don't do that. You can email him though at Steve G at excellentcultures.com. That's love a real to hear email. From you. Yeah, love, love to hear from you. you. Well, Steve, why don't you uh, introduce our guest today? We have another we have a favorite guest on the show today because we brought him back round two. Yeah, we had so much fun with Mark Candless of the Candless Fine Dining uh, organization a few weeks ago that we asked Mark to come back. Uh, what I was so impressed with about the culture that he built that, that is not just, you know, world-class in terms of performance. You know, you, you if you're anywhere in the Seattle area or anywhere in the United States for that matter, just, you know— Try to call in and get a reservation at yeah, Canlis. Good luck. And if you're fortunate, It'll if happen. you're fortunate, you, you know, and you say your prayers and you work hard and you be nice to Mark, tell him you heard Mark on the radio. There you go. You know, you'll you'll get in. But I, um, yeah. he did a wonderful job of defining, you know, the way that he's built the culture. We were especially impressed with the way that he interviews prospective employees and connects the dots between. The purpose of the individual and the purpose of the organization and operationalizes that into tremendous engagement you know world-class customer service and a very very successful business so mark welcome yeah. back welcome, welcome mark back. <laughs> uh, welcome mark of the canless fine dining organization way to go steve i don't know that, that, is, that, is that the official name the, well the, the canless fine dining organization yeah, that, <laughs> it is an organization title, <laughs> if you ever go if you ever go over there and watch 
You go, go over there and have dinner and watch what these guys do. Yeah. With, it, was it 96 employees, Mark? Am I, am I remembering uh, 95. correct? 95. 95 employees. Yep. Yep. You will see an organization, you know, that will hold up a candle to the greatest in the world. Yeah. Because these guys, uh, I remember, you know, last time we were talking about your um, your parking attendant, parking lot attendant. I mean, this guy remembers every person. How many people do you typically have in an evening, Mark? How many guests? Oh. About 200. Yeah, and about how many cars does he park? Uh, about 110. And he remembers every person, no tagging system, and never misses a car. It's, never it's misses a, a car. It's an impressive feat. But, you know, I just want to say, if if we were ever able to live up to that introduction you just gave, <laughs> I would I would consider myself a really fortunate man. <laughs> awesome. I, I now have a new goal in life. There you go. Yeah. Everybody needs goals. We just, uh, we just added humility to your list yeah, of qualities. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So last time on the show, uh, you did a great job, and we're going to encourage folks to listen to these back-to-back because you did such a great job of identifying – you know, your view of a culture of ethics, values, and employee engagement and how you make it happen and how it starts with the individual and, you know, their particular uh, passion for life in general and then specifically as it relates to what you're doing at Canlis. We thought this time you could maybe uh, share with us some of the strategies that you use to, you know, get past the obstacles that get in the way of, of building a great culture like you have at Canlis. Obstacles that get in the way. Um, wow. Let's see. Skepticism mm. is probably the number one um, obstacle because I think what what's happening um, here, or when you try to when you try to take these things other places, is that it's a little countercultural. Um, it's certainly countercultural in, in business circles, um, and so I think what a lot of people run into is, is just outward skepticism of like what is happening and and why are you guys doing this and uh, why is this so much different than um, what I'm used to but um, if done well I think the results will will will, will quickly douse the skepticism so um, but, I, but I definitely would expect to encounter that right off the bat I just think it's not. It's not every day that um, you walk in and tell your employees, "Okay, this is the, this is what we're going to do in this company," and then everyone just sort of says, "Oh yeah, great." I'm 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 was hoping this morning that we would have tons of change and newness. Yeah, I was hoping you would make yeah, that suggestion. Welcoming this, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think anyone kind of kind of going into it needs to to be aware that um, that it's not normal, <laughs> and that and that change is always just going to be a little bit tricky to 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 manage. Um, the other thing I would say is just by starting in the right place, and and um, you know it's it's a little bit like having dessert before dinner, in the sense that if you don't start with the big issues, um, with the hard things first, if you don't do the the real work, uh, then just to start to implement the fun, um, the, some of the fun cultural pieces that we do, uh, is it, going to leave everyone feeling leaving the table unsatisfied. I mean, literally, if you don't eat dinner and you just eat dessert, you're not quite um, you're not quite fulfilled in that way. And so I think a, a company needs to first start with things like, okay, well, who are we as a people? And, you know, are we really living these values already? Um, and are our leaders doing that for us already? Are they living in this way? Because if the ownership and the management or the leadership is not doing that, then then you're just, you know, 
you're painting over the, an, an issue and it's not going to work. Um, so, so, so Mark, you when, start from the core. Yeah, when you have managers who who you identify are not living the values, how do you correct that? How do you deal with them? How do you talk to them and keep everything intact? Put my arm around their shoulder and walk them to the front door. I mean, <laughs> there's not a... Uh, there's not a lot of room for not living the values. Um, there's room for uh, for failing at them and wishing that you hadn't. I think that's um, I think that's a a key distinction. So um, if we have an employee or whoever it is, any any, any of the staff um, who fails at uh, the values, and and I expect all of them to do so regularly because they're they're set awfully high. Um, that isn't so concerning to me. Um, that is a simple process of holding up the mirror to someone and saying, hey, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but um, you know, you're not living up to, to what we all agreed to. Or, 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 and, is, and is that what you want, or would you prefer something else? So it, it's always a question in our heads. It's just like, is this what you want, the substandard? Um, because if that is what you want, we can find a better place for you to work. Or mm-hmm. um, did you just drop the ball? Are you having a hard day? Is something else going on? And Often what you find is a person says, oh, gosh, thanks for bringing that up. Actually, I am having a horrible day. Uh, So I did come across maybe Kurt or whatever it was in that conversation. I didn't really mean to be so, um, you know, so grumpy. So So, um, keep going. That's the key distinction is just being able to to decide, you know, does the person, are they living a particular way? Um, Like, is that who they are and who they're becoming? Or... Um, or they just have an off day and they and they failed to meet the standards. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah there's a, a lot of sense. How to work with them? To the former, uh, they just don't belong. Yeah, I I mean one of the we we have to go to a commercial break right here, but I I wanted to say, Mark, that that insight uh, via what we got from you at our last show and what you're saying now uh, of just like that's changed how I lead people uh, mm-hmm. in many many ways is just beginning with the question of what do you want? Right. You know, it's like, what yeah. do you, because I want to serve you to help you become that or yeah. to get there. And I know what I can do to help you. And I know what, what's impossible for me to do to help you. And it helps our relationship. Like it's a, it's just a really good way to gauge where are you at? Where am I at? How can I serve you better? You kick it off starting on, on the biggest issues. The yeah, most important. absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And it's, I want to thank you for that piece of advice and hopefully listeners, you're getting it as well as we're going into our first break uh, here again with Mark Canlis of uh, Canlis Restaurant in Seattle and uh, innumerable other places where the the Canlis footprint has hit across the country for sure. But uh, send us an email. Uh, contact us on Twitter uh, at, at XLNT Cultures um, or slash Facebook or slash Excellent Cultures on Facebook or ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. We want to hear from you as we're going into our first break here on Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list, done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. 
And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. Biz Culture Matters and Excellent Cultures at Clay 1180 AM with Mark Canlis, as I have dubbed it earlier in the show, the Canlis Fine Dining Organization, <laughs> simply because it's love it. so much more than a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, it's an organization. So, Mark, before the break, you were talking to us about how you correct a manager or how you correct a leader that isn't living your values and on the last show you shared what your values or isn't are. or isn't even living their own values yeah yeah want, exactly you know? could you take right, a few minutes right, and just right. kind of re- review your values again because i thought they're so great and so stellar and then as you do um maybe if you could give us an example of where you've had to make a couple of those corrections and how they worked out i think that would be really helpful to our listeners to learn that sure so uh for us true values are in order they're trustworthy generous and other-centered um, and so, uh, just in summary, that's what we're talking about when we say, when we invite someone into the organization is, hey, this is who we're hoping to become in the near and distant future. Uh, what about you? Uh, what do you want, um, in life? And, uh, and of course there's a professional aspect, uh, but what we're really trying to get to is the personal aspect. Uh, who are you becoming as a person? So, um, I think, uh, when somebody falls down, um, uh, uh, in, in upholding one of those, um, it's incumbent on us to find out uh, why. And, um, and it's really easy as a manager just to be frustrated at the result. Um, and, uh, and, and certainly in a restaurant, it's a high-pressure situation, and so there's a lot of times when you are just reacting um, in order to get the result that you need, i.e., the dish falls down, you need to cook one really quickly, you have an entire table waiting for this, for this dinner to happen. Um, but very shortly thereafter, the pressure situation, what we try to do is go find the person and find out what's up. Um, and so I have had, 
uh, you know, we've we've let go of uh, employees for the very smallest of infractions. Some people might think, and we've kept employees that have had just. Uh, I think I told you the story of a gentleman who um, once was caught drinking our alcohol, and then he properly, uh, actually drunk, left the restaurant, drunk driving, and then and then passing the restaurant again after he turned around, uh, drove his car through the fence, actually, oh. and into our parking lot. So our own employee who stole an alcohol um, and drove drunk and then crashed into our building uh, ended up being just one of the one of the best guys in the world to work with. And uh, and it was through that incident that we had the opportunity to say, "Hey, uh, seems like you're having a hard day, and um, what's going on here?" And so he really came to us and said, "Gosh, I've been struggling with uh, with addiction for a long time, and things all sort of come to a head. And what I really want is help." And um, and, and boy, an employee who asks you for help is, uh, I think, one is worth keeping. Um, so that's someone who is vulnerable enough to say, uh, this is who I am and I'm not happy with who I'm becoming. Is there any way you can help? And those kinds of people, um, those who have the, the self-awareness and uh, the vulnerability are in a place um, of just incredible growth. And uh, it's a huge honor to be invited into that process with them and as a leader, that, those are the things that we're looking for. Is how can we be a part of the process of who you're becoming? So, um, and on the flip side, I, you know, we like a kid who just strictly had a bad attitude, and uh, you know, all sorts of talented and 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 just you know, phenomenal presence and, and all that kind of thing. But he just had a bad attitude. It seemed to be kind of a permanent thing, and he didn't really want. Um, he didn't really want what what we were. Uh, what we were talking about. So, um, so we let him go. He says, oh, you know what? It doesn't work around here. It's just you're not going to fit in, and, and uh, we're going to spend all our time trying to change you. And that's, We don't want to do that. You're not going to want to do that. Right. So I feel like it's incumbent on, on us as leaders to figure out um, what, is our, what does our staff want. And when we talk about making a switch to the kind of organization that focuses on this, um, Boy, as an as an ownership group, you've got to figure out if your managers doing this first and foremost. Because if they're not, you can't go any deeper than that. Like, are they living the values, and are they leading the way that uh, that you would be proud of? Um, that's the hard work. That's the that's the meat of the matter. Is 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 getting that team on board. Once they're on board in that way, boy, it all just happens really easily after that. Yeah. So, so this this mission that you have. Of of putting other people first, for lack of a better way to describe it, mm-hmm. uh, that and the values that support that, that you know, really are contrary to human nature. I mean, we think of ourselves first. You know, typically when you go to look for a job, it's okay. What are the wages? What are the benefits? And if if I like it, when can I start? Uh, I was right. so impressed with the way that. You you never even get there because your conversation on the front end with you know interviewing prospective employees is all about you know where they're where they're headed in life and how that connects with where Canlis is headed as an organization or a team. I, I'm I'm interested and I know our interest our uh, listeners are very interested in hearing uh, you know more of the insights on how you are able to engage people in doing what is just the opposite of human nature. You yeah, know. well, so I'm going to fight that a little bit. Um, I don't think it is opposite of human nature. I think that's it. I think it's opposite of uh, of business nature.
nature. I think it's culturally maybe a little counterintuitive. But I think it's human nature to be in relationship with one another. And uh, and so to that end, I think a lot of business fights human nature. A lot of business says, well, look, see, we all know we need to make a buck here. You need to pay your bills, and I need to increase shareholder equity. Therefore, uh, let's all just make sure that the dollar, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we, we make a dollar. And and that, um, to the degree that that is pulling relationship apart um, or bringing people out of relationship, or however you want to say it, um, yeah, I don't know. We just we take real. I don't. We take real odds with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know uh, necessarily if you have to invite people away from relationship to make money. In fact, just the opposite. I think one of the questions that my brother and I are really wondering about is: couldn't you make a dollar by actually encouraging people to be in relationship with one another? That's to say, in our industry in particular, the restaurants are famous for eating people up. They just uh, they're hard to work in, you know, and uh, the hours are hard and the pressure is high and the high expectations. And um, and uh, it's just pretty known throughout our industry that, gosh, you don't survive very long uh, doing this kind of stuff. And so as third generation owners of a, of a family business and as parents of our own children, we're looking at this thing saying, is that... Is that what we're going to be known for? I mean, is, is our destiny to run this thing for 40 years and hand it off to someone else and just tear up a lot of relationships along the way? It just didn't feel good. So um, our experiment was just to say, man, what if we could run a company by actually uh, restoring the people who are uh, working with us and for us? And what if we could restore guests by restoring our staff? What if we could serve our guests by serving our staff? What about that as a business model? And uh, yeah, it's largely unproven. I think I just like to say that. No, I think we think yeah. you've proven it. That's why we've got you on the show. Well, <laughs> uh, that's why we've got you on the show. And, and I would say it's certainly in process. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think you could get a lot of smart business people on the phone to, to prove a, a lot of examples why that's not the case. But obviously, we we think that this is uh, this is a, at least worth experimenting with. Yeah, well, I, I don't know of a lot of any. I don't know of any. I mean, I've worked, you know, a few years in the past in in the restaurant industry, and I've never heard once that be a goal of anybody else. Nor have I. So kudos, man! Like yeah. that's a big deal. Like, yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think you said it very well, Mark. I don't even know what. Well, if you ca- captured this yourself, but it came out of you uh, a few minutes ago, uh, in in. I looked at it from the standpoint of the context of some of the, you know, we've interviewed, I don't know, we've done over 80 probably radio shows with uh, leaders and owners and executives of all kinds of highly successful businesses that have great cultures. Uh, you, you know, maybe we should have someone that's got a lousy culture on sometime uh, and just, just for a little flavor. But, um, you know, I, one of the guys that uh, uh, we learned a lot from uh, was um, Jack Hollis of Toyota Vice President of Marketing, he was, uh, you know, formerly, uh, you know, call, you know, played on the national championship baseball team at Stanford, and then for the Cincinnati Reds as a pro, and now he's a leader at Toyota. And when we asked him the question about, you know, what were the derailers for a great culture, uh, the first thing he shared was that it's all about me. When people start thinking that mm-hmm. it's all about me and what's in it for me, then that's the first danger that's sign. And so what, I, what, I, what I just yeah. heard you say is the way that you combat 
uh, it's all about me is it, it becomes all about the relationship. And we, you'd love this. We just I just uh, got out of this meeting not literally not 25 minutes ago. It's, we call it the DGA. I don't know if we talked about this last time. The Department <clears> of Growth <throat> and Appreciation. Nice. And uh, this is this is 12 leaders of the restaurant, all of whom people report to. And we sit around and we talk about um, ways in which we feel our staff are growing or need to grow or want to grow. And then creative things we can do as a business to actually make that happen. And uh, the DGA has a budget. It's a fairly significant budget. They also plan all the cultural events and staff events, and that kind of thing. And um, what we're learning now is, is the beautiful ownership that, it's one thing if just Brian and I are, are doing it ourselves, but to bring other people in and to give them the freedom and the resources to say, hey, these are your people. You know them. You love and care for them. You work beside them. Uh, and how is it that we as a company can support them? And so that has been just, I mean, we just come out of this meeting and I'm sort of charged up by it. But uh, that's been so encouraging. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things the DJ does is it takes people to lunch. They take them to family lunch just to ask two questions. Tell me your story, and what's it like for you working at Canlock? And that is the whole point of lunch. And the, the restaurant pays for the two of them to go out, um, and it's, uh, it, just, it just opens up a wealth of conversation. And you can't imagine how the details of the business get taken care of magically while the people working are having lunch together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, well, th- tell us again, the DGA Department of Growth and Appreciation, is that right? The, Depart- the Department of Growth. We wanted a department. We wanted it to sound really official. <laughs> you know? So uh, we have the Department of Adventure in this small company, and we also have, also have a Department of Growth and Appreciation. Yeah, w- very well said. But again, what, I, what I'm hearing you say, uh, I'm getting the break sign. So what we're going to ask you about at, after the break is to give us more specifics about how do you operationalize this uh, it's all about the relationship to the extent sure. where people don't even think about themselves coming first. All right, we got to go on a break. So, Steve, stop talking. Um, we're, you're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. And with us is Mark Canless of the Canless Restaurant Conglomerate of Awesomeness. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, excellent cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. 
They give you fast, accurate, bottom-line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back, everybody, and uh, it's Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com, as always. And our guest today is Mark Canlis from Canlis Restaurant Seattle. Steve, you uh, had a hard time uh, stopping talking right there before the last break. Well, I was getting really excited because I was listening to Mark give us a huge trade secret in building a high-performance culture. I mean, in any any athletic team that's about competition knows that it's all about the team and when it becomes all about the individuals and what's in it for me and people get this you know what about me what's in it for me cancer uh, you just destroyed your teamwork and what mark was sharing with us before the break is how they combat that before it even happens by making it all about the relationships that exist between the people and he gave us a great strategy a great idea uh, talking about the Department of Growth and Appreciation that they formed at Candles. Now, give us the questions again, Mark, of what, what are the questions that get asked when someone gets recognized and they're out for dinner on Candles? You, you, you roll well, yeah. them off real quickly. I, folks want to write these down. I'll do it again, but to be clear, it is no recognition. It, it's literally uh, everybody takes everybody to lunch. So the 12 people, the 12 members of the DGA, once a month, take anyone in the company out to lunch. And, and they day. can pick and they can pick whoever they want. Pick whoever they want, and uh, we try to spread around so everybody gets to go. It's, it's uh, interdepartmental, so it's, you know, the people from the kitchen taking the people to the front of the house, the people from the bar taking the people in the office. And the agenda uh, for these lunches, a lot of people times people don't know each other very well. The agenda literally is, is two questions. It's tell me your story. And tell me what it's like for you to work at Canlis. Um, that's that's all we're trying to do is just is start at that very beginning and to understand, um, you know, their their side of things, and it just opens up the best conversation. That's awesome. Tell me your story and tell me what it's like for you to work at Canlis. So, Steve, let's do let's practice that right now. Tell me your story <laughs> and tell me what it's like to work with me at Excellent Cultures. Well, what it's like to work with you? Do I have to tell me this? This the story will take too long. Yeah, for forget the story. <laughs> What's it like to work with me? It's about it's me. A, what it's like to work with you in excellent cultures is is exciting. I'm especially pumped up about your new haircut that you got. Oh today. yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I almost went mohawk just for you. But. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That's awesome. So back to Mark here for a second. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying that. Yeah, we're we gotta have some fun. <laughs> yeah. So family business. Uh, talk to us about what are you doing and what are your your you know your strategies to focus people 
on this generational transfer and brand modernization modernization that you know you're constantly working on refocusing and regenerating you're, you're uh, i think you told us on the last show you and your brother are are is it third or fourth generation mark we are the third technically okay so the third generation um you know how, how is this legacy going to get passed on I have no idea. <laughs> who you're looking for? Good answer. <laughs> I love it. Let's see. It would be really special if there was a legacy to pass on. I don't say that it's it, it, like hyper humility or flippantly, um, but uh, I think the reality of my business is that I don't take it for granted one day, and mm. uh, and so I I hope there is one, and uh, if, I hope we don't screw it up too much. But assuming that there is. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I have an answer for you. I mean, generational generational transfer is a is a whole another ball of wax here. And um, uh, you know, we we certainly employed a couple strategies that worked really well for our family. I think uh, it's a little bit like parenting. You know, there's a million good ways to do it, probably a million bad ways too. And uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think a, a general strategy for us is that we don't put any pressure on the next generation. Um, not only is there not um, an expectation that they would come in, but there's also the expectation that they may they may not deserve it. Um, so it's not a birthright. Working in a family business is something that you earn. Um, I think being a part of the family is a birthright, but owning a family business is something that each child um, has an opportunity to earn their way into. And uh, And I think that'll certainly be true for my children as well. Well, you just gave us a great strategy. Um, that it's you gave us two strategies. The first is there's no there's n- no pressure or expectation involved, and second, it's some it's something that you earn. And yeah, it's put your kids under that kind of a pressure. Uh, you know, is is um, in some small way um, an unwillingness to embrace uh, who God's created them to be, and you just don't know if they if if if. If what if, if the kid that was born to you was was, was born to me was made to uh, run a restaurant, yeah, and so I you know, I like to hold that with more of an open hand. I wish I hope it's true. I, I maybe that's the case, but I also I both my wife and I want to be very open to the fact of who these children are and who they're becoming, and not have them live into who we want them to become or who we think they are, and so. Uh, it's a tricky dynamic because um, there's a lot of our own hopes wrapped into that, but we try to hold that with an open hand. Well, it's it's as you describe your story on the last show. It sounds like very similar to how your your parents dealt with you and uh, how you got from Air Force Special Forces to New York fine dining to back home in Seattle in the family business. Which. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I was—I have a world of respect for the way mom and dad did it uh, with us, and, and that is how we were raised. You're absolutely right. Um, there was no expectation on us, and there was also no expectation on the restaurant that they would—that they, they would need to prepare that the restaurant, the business, would need to prepare for us. I really think that expectation on both sides of the fence can be dangerous, and uh, and and can be weighty in ways that. Um, that we don't fully understand until maybe later on in life. So the other thing I was just going to say about when I'm thinking about this, uh, about generational transfer, um, is that you have to start by getting this family 
to agree on what's most important. And if you can't agree on that, you shouldn't probably be in business together, frankly. Like, um, I, I think a lot of families start with the business and they start with, um, what's the, the, what's at hand, which is this, uh, this running company, which is just, gosh, it's, uh, it can take a ton of energy. And I think what a family needs to do is take a step back and say, what is most important to us as a family? And what is most important to us as a family who owns a business? And what is most important uh, to our business? And um, shoot, I bet you that I bet you that weed out about seventy-five percent of the tricky generational transfers because most families that have a hard time uh, transferring business from one generation to the other are really fighting on those issues. Um, it's because those things are really not quite set in stone, and um, you know maybe one generation thinks differently about what is most important to the family and, and another one thinks different about what's most important to business. And, um, so to sit down and really lay, the, lay, the, lay out the groundwork, um, it's not easy to do, but, it, but you've you got to start there. Yeah. So, Mark, as, as you look back, you know, you shared so many great insights with us. As you look back on your experiences, not just now that, you know, you and your brother are running the family business, but even – your experiences in your Air Force Special Forces career and in your fine dining uh, leadership work that you did when you were back east in New York, uh, what advice can you give to other business leaders, business owners, leaders of organizations of what not to do? You know, the the biggest Mm -hmm. mistakes that you made in getting to the place where now you know what to do, you've articulated very well of connecting the dots between who a person is, as you say it so well, who they are created to be and how they fit within the framework of, of the organizational climate. What, you know, what, what do we want to avoid? Hmm. I think it's really important to, uh, oh man, what not to do. I, I tell you my own mistake. I, I'd be careful where you put your identity. Um, I think it's really easy to wrap your identity up and into a a couple of things that uh, maybe it shouldn't be. And, um, and that's not going to, that's not going to help the business. Um, one of the things we always say around here is that, uh, there's very little we can do to affect the number of people that come in through the front door. And that may sound really antithetical, um, to, uh, to working hard and putting your best foot forward. And I, I definitely think that's, something we need to do, but we just need to realize, um, I think we're called to, to do our best and, and then trust God for the rest. And, uh, and that, and, and that may mean in our business that, that a ton of people come to dinner and it may mean that they don't. And I say that because I've experienced both. And in the times when the restaurant is slower, it's really easy to think that you are a failure or that you're screwing up. Um, but it's easy to think that because it's very possible that it's true. And so trying to understand where your identity comes from in that sense, um, man, that's, uh, that's a good time to surround yourself with, uh, with good people and, uh, and, and leaders who can, who can support you and help you work through that. So we have a board of directors who plays a pivotal role for us. Um, and, uh, and we also just we meet together a lot as a family, kind of looking at those issues. Um, but um, I don't know if that entirely answers your question, but I'll tell you, those are, those are mistakes that, that I personally have made. 
um, and that I would do differently in hindsight for sure. So Beautiful. knowing that knowing that it's our responsibility to do all that we can, but that uh, that, that the results may come our way and they may not. Uh, yeah. We see this in in every profession, right? But uh, it's harder to see it in your own life when you're looking at your own job or your own company. Um, so. We got to go into a break, guys. Our last and final break. Mark, are you ready for round four? I'm ready. Bring it. All right. We're bringing it. Excellentcultures.com. And this is Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies. It's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. All right, everybody. You are listening to the last segment of today's show of Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. Quickly, jot down a note, send us an email. Let's have a conversation at AskTheExperts at ExcellentCultures.com. You can tweet us at at XLNT Cultures or, hash or slash backslash Facebook, uh, uh, Excellent Cultures for Facebook. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, the whole deal. We want to have a, a chat conversation with you. If you have any questions for today's guest, Mr. Mark Canlis, also fill us in. Throw us a, throw us a note. Throw us a, throw, us a, throw us a bone. Let's have a conversation. We'll, uh, we'll chew it over together. Steve, you have a, a and pass the hard questions on to Mark because he does a much better. Job oh man, we, Mark, it's like it's like listening to it's like listening to an old sage oh, having man. you on the having you on the show. Yeah, 
Only yeah. a, only he's Maybe young. An old soul. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll only he's that. young. It's better than yeah. it's better than an old Sherpa. Yeah, I guess. it is. Yeah. After my run last night, I feel like an old Sherpa. Yeah. <laughs> you can see me. I'm all like hunched over trying to recover. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah. So uh, I want to go back to a second for for something that we visited briefly on the first show: the whole employee engagement piece. The Gallup, uh, recent Gallup poll has shown no change between two years ago and then October of 2013. It's done every two years of we still have a nation full of 70 percent plus who say that they are actively disengaged in their jobs. This year, the poll went so far as to say that 18 percent actually told the confidential poll. They don't tell their boss this because it's not just politically incorrect, but might get you fired, that they hated their jobs, and the most common reason for hating their job was they hated their boss. People, You've been talking to my staff again, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that people don't f- don't quit a, a company, they quit a boss. They, they quit a boss. Yeah, yeah they, they, they quit a boss, and Jim Clifton, the uh, Gallup CEO, in his cover memo for the Gallup poll, went as far as to label this new generation of managers who, you know, folks are saying that they hate their job because they hate their boss as as managers from hell. And and you you have done so much and shared with us so much about how to do just the reverse of that, you know, build a culture of employee engagement. And it's and I didn't hear you say the word survey or Gallup poll one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, companies these days are so much about the employee engagement survey and the employee satisfaction survey, and all of these surveys, which are great, but if a survey is only as good as the questions that, is at, that it asks, and if it's telling you things that are that are surface or uh, you know placating, like you know my you get a manager who takes a survey and has a report that says you know you're a poor communicator, and if in fact you have a, a passive defensive culture where you know, people are nodding their heads and smiling just to keep their jobs. Uh, and then the boss goes and says, gosh, guys, I understand from the employee engagement poll that I'm not a very good communicator. Can you tell me how I can communicate better? What do you think they're going to tell them? I mean, nothing. Uh-oh. Yeah, Uh-oh. nothing. So, yeah, so talk to us about how you get all, you know, past all that nonsense without any surveys, without, you know, any uh, formal corporate tools to build what you built and do it in a way that's sustainable. I mean, look, I love, I love a survey like the next guy. Um, I think they're a great tool, and uh, I think they're largely for academics and people researching for books. Um, and, uh, and I think at the, at the end of the day, you've got to get out from underneath the numbers and go talk to people just like you're saying. But it's kind of like the, new, the, the economy. I, you all remember the, when the thing switched around in 2009, was it? 2008, whenever the thing crashed and... Everyone said, oh, you know, it's a bad economy, it's a bad economy. You know, we, we found so much pessimism around that that we just sort of eschewed the word bad and changed it to new. We said, you know, it's, it's not a bad economy, it's just the new economy. Mm. And it's not, I'm not going to blame the economy on my failing company. How about we just say there are new rules for the game? This is the new economy, and it, it's incumbent on us as business owners to figure it out. And I would say the same thing about this generation of workers. They're, they're not different. Uh, they are different. They're not bad. They're not uh, whatever label you want to give them. Um, it's just the next generation of workers. And it's our job to understand them 
It's our job to be with them and to be present with them, to be learning with them. And by doing so, we can relate to them. Again, I, we, uh, we are constantly called into relationships with one another. And so um, it would be hard to, to, uh, to be in, in relationship with your staff and yet not know how they would respond in a, in a Gallup poll. Does that make sense? Exactly. Um, if you're relying on a survey, um, I would just summarily discharge the management team and bring in some people who are willing to get into the trenches and do the messy work of relating to your employees. It is not easy. Um, it's not clean. Uh, it is not always rewarding. Um, it, it, relationships are hard, but they are worthwhile. And, uh, and, and, and we see this in all relationships, by the way. Um, at least I do. And so I, I think that's how we, we've done it. People have often said, gosh, how do you stay so young as a 65-year-old, 63-year-old restaurant? How do you modernize your brand, et cetera, et cetera? I, I really think those are different. Um, maybe just not, not the best way to, to, uh, to, to look at it. I, I, don't, I wouldn't say we modernize the brand. I'd say we stay true to it. Um, and not that Canlis has changed. Um, but that Canlis is working to become just a better version of itself. Does that make sense? And so uh, the same is true uh, as the company does it, so do the people inside the company. So um, it, it's not, um, gosh, it's not that I'm changing my, my management technique or management strategy for the next generation of 23-year-old kids that comes and works here. It's that I am growing and learning um, who they are as people, and I myself need to be growing and learning who I am. And the thing that they really respect good. about a leader is when they see somebody growing in front of them. We watch this happen as kids, right? And at some point, parents decide, I know it all. And, I, and this is the way you hear these things. This is how I do it. Um, I'm set in his ways. You know, this is what I've learned from years of experience, et cetera, et cetera. To the degree that parents start stop learning, I think they start losing the respect of their children, right? It's the same with your employees. To the degree that you as a boss won't learn vulnerably, vulnerably in front of your staff, they will not respect you, right? Yeah. The boss that says, I have all the answers, this is the way that it is, and pretends as if he was a, 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 a wise sage who knows it all, nobody knows it all. And your employees know you don't know it all. Yeah. And they want to see the times when you don't know it. There's great strength in that sort of vulnerability. And I feel like we just, uh, this current generation, boy, they, they sniff that out faster than you can possibly imagine. They don't want to be pitched. They don't want to be told. They don't want to be angled. Um, they, just, they just want authenticity out of a, pe- out of a person. And, uh, and that's pretty old-fashioned, right? So, um I don't know necessarily if it's uh, if there's special techniques for doing this as, as much as it is just good old fashioned relating to your people. Well, what I th- what I think I heard you say in terms of what what you're doing, how you how you functionally deploy this, is number one, you've got to have the basic attitude that you care about people for who they are, not just for what they can do for you to start with. Secondly, you have to do a good job as a leader to convey that in a way that they receive it as you caring about them for who they are, not just what they can do for you. 
And uh, and then third, you've got you know reminders of systems and processes like your you know your your great strategy you told us about earlier um, about you know the twelve leaders who take folks out to dinner randomly, and the first question is you know tell me about you know tell me about you tell me about mm-hmm. your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean you can't do that. I mean if in fact you've got an organization full of people who practice that let's just say that strategy. And they really don't care. Uh, it'll become very clear very, very quickly. And uh, you know, as you said, I mean, the young, the, the new generation, you know, folks under 32 years old, our millennial generation, you know, they won't put up for that for long at all. And they don't, mm-hmm. they don't, they they don't quit a company. They quit a boss. Mm-hmm. And if you got bosses who don't care, and you don't have systems and processes, or you have bosses who do care, and you don't have good systems and processes that operationalize that care in an authentic way. You can then, kiss your back goodbye. Yeah, yeah, and it's real easy to get your eye off the ball and have it slip on you, and before you know it, you know, you've got yourself an awful culture, and you you never started out that way. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said, for sure. Oh, all I did was repeat back what I thought you just said. <laughs> what I thought oh, you man. just said. I hope I just compliment myself. Yeah, hey, thought you just. Right. Yeah, thought oh, you just said in bullet points. <laughs> in bullet points. Mark, thanks for coming back, guys. We're out of time, uh, so we got. I got to shut it down. But again, one of my favorite shows. So uh, happy to do it. Thanks it, for having me. It's pleasure. Super fun. I will. Uh, I will get on the horn, and I'll have my people call your people for a reservation, and uh, we'll be coming to Canla soon. We'll get you in. All right, guys. Awesome. We've been listening to, you've been listening to, and we've been listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. We are uh, looking forward to hear from you. Ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.